Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Hebrews chapter 12 and one in 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're in part two of a series called Turning the Tables. And like the title sounds, you, you see a situation, you recognize it as headed in the wrong direction, you confront it, and you take an action to move it back in the right direction and flip the advantage, turning the tables. Now, in this series, we're talking about doing that, turning the tables in a situation out of your identity in God and out of your love for God. And in part one, we just defined what it means to turn the tables. And then we watched Jesus do it literally and spiritually as our model. And then we tackled the first situation where God will call us to recognize, confront, and take action with ourselves. And if you missed part one, I just really want to encourage you to go back and watch part one because that's where it starts. It starts with us. But today we're going to take on the next area of what we're calling healthy biblical confrontation with one another. Right? After, after 30 years of discipling men, 30 years of counseling men, 30 years of mentoring men, I've come to this conclusion. Men love the idea of iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But when the sharpening of personal accountability to God is pressed against their present behavior, the real battle begins. The squirming begins. The, the fight or flight response starts kicking in. And I think most guys know what I'm talking about when I discuss that. Men love competition. They're not so fond of confrontation. Men love giving opinions on others, but they're not so fond of getting examined uh, themselves, right? And let's, let's face it, no man likes to be told that maybe the way they're believing or behaving is either wrong or not in alignment with God's plan. And yet the Bible says that Every man requires loving confrontation. Um, think about it. You have a buddy who's married who's clearly flirting with another woman. What do you do? All right? Or maybe you notice a brother in Christ who is just crossing the line with respect to his drinking and it's, it's, it's turning into to drunkenness. Do you, do you say anything? Or maybe just, you know, the banter, the back and forth among the boys is, is funny because it's truly funny, but then it starts to get gross and inappropriate. Do you just keep laughing? Right? So before we move in along any further, just even talking about these scenarios, uh, what we're talking about is a brother in Christ and then another brother in Christ witnessing what's going on and needing to turn the tables and, and shift that brother into a better direction. And in that process, I realize no man, myself included, wants to be a nitpicker. No one wants to be the, the, the moral police or the God police. But this book is very clear that confrontation plays an important role in the fellowship of believing men. Why? Because it seeks what's best for the one being confronted. And uh, to be sure, uh, when we confront one another as brothers, it, it doesn't feel at all like a kindness in the moment, but it is one of the most loving things that we can do for each other in the company of men. 
And as we'll see in today's session, it, it's not judging. There's another little pre-qualifier. It's helping a man so that he will not be hurt further by his own behavior. Hurt himself, hurt his relationship with God, or hurt other people. So here's a summary. You and I are strategically placed in the lives of other men for two reasons. One, to be sharpened, okay, but also to sharpen. And anytime you're sharpening anything, you got to get close. Uh, the metal on metal is going to get hot. There might even be some sparks, but the goal is the same, is sharp. And sharp spiritually means aligned with God and performing as God's man in that identity. And so when someone needs sharpening, when God says, hey, if not you right now, who, what will you do? All right, so as we did in part one, let's define turning the tables and then let's, let's get God's mind, but more importantly, let's see God's modeling on healthy confrontation. And then let's look at how to help a brother turn the tables in his fight to be God's man and win back his relationship with God and his momentum in God. So if you downloaded the notes, at the top of those notes is the, the definition of turning the tables. It's if you turn the tables on someone or some situation, you change the situation completely so that someone or something loses its advantage and you gain or someone else gains the advantage. The dynamic of the relationship or the situation is changed, all right? Now, let's get God's mind on his, his way of turning the tables in our lives, just in the family of God. And, and to, to do that, I want to read a passage from Hebrews chapter 12. That's the first spot I asked you to hold. And I want you to listen really closely because I want you to pick up not just the concept of God lovingly confronting his own, but the heart of it. It says this, For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak, weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So what do we have? We have a picture of a father. He's a good one, right? He sees and recognizes and confronts patterns of character and conduct in his own, right? That's what God does with us. And he does it because we are truly sons and daughters of his. That's our identity. And we're in his family. And just like every family has a culture, our family has a culture too. And that culture is holiness. It's built on God's righteousness. It's built on God's character. And that's why 
the scripture here says, but God disciplines us, confronts us in a healthy way for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And what I love about the Bible is that it's, it's realistic. Um, God doesn't expect us to go, oh man, you know, you confronting me on that, disciplining me on that, that felt really great. No, it's painful. But what we see in the passage in God's word is that the discomfort and pain of that produces a prize. Peace, a harvest of righteousness, and holiness that serves that person for the rest of their lives. And so, as we talk about God's message here in Hebrews 12, what God models with us, something's really clear, and that is either we'll experience the pain of discipline and confrontation, or we'll experience the pain of regret with one another if we don't practice what God models for us because what God models for us is meant for us with one another in our fellowships of men. Uh, Jesus, when he was mentoring uh, the disciples, mentoring men, uh, at, at one point he decided to, uh, to just kind of stop the car, as it were, stop this group of people that were uh, going somewhere and, and sort of pull over and have a true come to Jesus moment um, where he, in a healthy way, confronts men who claim the identity of a follower, but their activity isn't consistent with that identity. And he says this in Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? See what he's confronting? He's confronting their claim of an identity and their activity that is incongruent with their identity. And so there again, we see Jesus modeling healthy confrontation that's connected to our identity in him and our activity. So I wanted us to see right at the top that this whole idea of turning the tables, changing the direction through healthy confrontation uh, is both modeled by God and is messaged by God and practiced by God with us. And then we see Jesus practicing this with the disciples. And, you know, the message in just sort of a, a layman's translation that God's sending as he disciplines sons and daughters and as Jesus is confronting his followers is, is this. Not in this family! Exclamation point. We're a part of a new spiritual family. We went from being a creation of God to being a child of God. That family has a leader. That leader establishes the culture. And he is saying that in this family, we make choices that show love for God and people. And when there is, uh, when there's a, a, a deviation from that or an exercise of a will outside of that, that needs to be confronted, okay? So when it comes to, to our family, our spiritual family, being in the family of God, and then kind of subset our brotherhood, this is the, the dynamic that we have to get going. And we have to ask, kind of moving now to this issue of healthy confrontation with one another, we've got to ask ourselves, am I a friend, a true brother, or am I a fan in my, in my brotherhood and in my fellowship, right? We have to ask ourselves, do I courageously uh, 
and 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 in 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 not all the time, but when I'm called upon, do I courageously confront a brother to help him turn the tables in his relationship with God and in his battle against sin? And man, there is nothing better than seeing one man of God do this exact thing uh, with another man of God. And that's why I had you hold that second place in Second Samuel chapter 12, uh, where we we we're going to see. Uh, God's man, Nathan, confront the man after God's heart, uh, David. And just for, you know, some context, we all pretty much are aware that may, David made a, a really bad first decision that turned into a cascade of next decision. But his first bad decision was he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And where was he supposed to be? He was supposed to be with his men. Boy, is that instructive. Right? Where he was supposed to be fighting with his men and he decided to phone it in because he had been to battle a bunch of times he thought well you know i'm above that now i can just stay back and he found himself in this unfamiliar position and space where he was he was not where he normally would be and so he didn't really know what to do so he got bored and isolated and decided to go roof surfing not channel surfing roof surfing went up on the roof Started looking around, saw a naked woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath. That got him riled up because he's in a power position. Tells his servants, go get her. Sleeps with her. Second bad decision. Consequence, baby, right? She's pregnant. Third, fourth, fifth bad decision. All right, well, I got to get her husband home from battle to get him to sleep with her so they'll think it's his. That doesn't work because he's a better man than David is in this moment and says, I can't sleep with my wife while my men are out at battle. What an honorable guy and how embarrassing for David, right? So because he can't get him to sleep with his wife, he says, put him at the front lines and indirectly causes his murder, all right? So there's the context for the man after God's own heart. He's off the reservation, man. And one bad decision has led to six or seven other super bad decisions. There's this cascade. And what we want to look at now is God's solution to turn the tables in the life of the man after God's heart. So listen closely as we read God's word from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. The Lord sent Nathan to David. And when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, one poor, the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. 
I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. Ouch. So what do we see? We see four things a true brother will do in the life of another brother to turn the tables and to help him win back his relationship with God and his momentum spiritually. And that's what we want to unpack right now. Number one, the first thing a true brother does is a, a true brother calls out sin privately. A true brother calls out sin privately. You know, you, you, you see Nathan in the passage, right? What's God's solution to a man who is off the reservation, who the tables need to be turned, he needs some healthy confrontation. What's God's solution? The Lord sent Nathan to David, right? Uh, in Matthew 18, 15, Jesus talks about this very concept. He says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. Those are the red letters of the Gospels. That's Jesus. And we see this in perfect form with Nathan and David. Right? God's solution to changing the momentum in another brother's life was to send Nathan to David. Question. There's probably a few brothers that you know and there's some questionable stuff. Maybe not, but maybe there's, there's a time or maybe you've witnessed some things or maybe some of you watching right now, you're like, not so sure I'm okay with that. And the reason you're not so sure you're okay with that is because it's not okay with this. But you don't wanna be the moral police. You don't wanna be the Holy Spirit in the guy's life. But God might actually be using this to help push you over the top and say, no, that's what I do with my own children in the family of God. That's what Jesus did with the men who were following him. I have examples from the Bible, and this is a perfect one with Nathan and David, and then Jesus says directly, go and point out the fault just between the two of you privately, and if they listen to you, you will have won them over. See, there's a victory that God wants to use us to help secure in the lives of the guys right around us. But if we don't have the courage to step up and step into their lives, in our identity, in Christ, and confront that and call out sin, not publicly, not gonna embarrass him, but do it privately, then we can't win the victory unless we call out the sin privately, all right? That's the first thing a true brother does. He calls out sin privately. Second, a true brother practices tough love. Right? In the story, you see Nathan set David up and then whack him over the spiritual head. Right? Tells the story, the rich guy, a lot of sheep, the poor man, one sheep, the rich guy steals and takes for his own the one, the one little sheep that the poor guy had who he was really close to. Right? 
in the Bible, this isn't in your notes, but write down the verse Ephesians 4, 15, which says, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. If we can't practice tough love by speaking truth in love, we will not grow. Men will not grow. Instead, we gloss over, let pass by, excuse ourselves from that job. Maybe we say, well, the Holy Spirit's on the job. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's in you. And in many situations, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to accomplish his mission of convicting another brother of the need for him to repent through you, but you gotta be able and willing to practice tough love. Look at what it says in the Bible in Proverbs 27, verses five and six. It says, better, circle that, is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's right. A true friend will actually confront you. A true friend, if they see clearly, this is your claimed identity, this is your activity, they'll point that out to you and say, you know what, this is who you are, but this is not how you're acting. And God sent me to let you know that he sees it and it needs to stop. How many catastrophes could be avoided in the lives of women and children connected to men if they had a true brother who practiced tough love at the outset, when they saw it, when they sensed it, when they, and went in, and went in there and exposed it, you know? Wounds from a friend can be trusted. It's not like you're two, three links off a person. You're in their first circle. And God's saying, that's our responsibility. So that's the second thing a true brother does after calling out sin privately. We practice tough love. Number three, a true brother shares God's mind and heart. What I love about Nathan is he says, hey, David, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. He doesn't say, Nathan, uh, David, uh, this is my opinion, or David, this is what I think, or how could you, and then starts giving his own opinion. No, he says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, right? And the Bible gives us that authority in Christ to do it. It talks about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, and the context of exercising our, our authority in Christ with each other. Listen for this as I read verses one through eight of 1 Thessalonians 4. It says this, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. In fact, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 
Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So did you catch that, see that, that context, that authority? So here's a, a loving confrontation. The issue is sexual purity and how we relate to one another sexually as, as men and women. And, and here in the passage, it says, I urge you, I ask you in the Lord Jesus. So in the Lord Jesus, and then in the authority of the Lord Jesus, right? With the word of the Lord Jesus, because if you reject this, you're rejecting God, this instruction and the Holy Spirit, right? So it's not about, what I want you to see is that it's not about spiritual superiority. A lot of times when men are confronted spiritually, they internalize it and personalize it and get defensive because they think that the other person, like they're competing with the other person in some, in some holiness contest. That's not what it's about at all. It's about we are in God's family. We are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We possess, because we're in the family together, we have the authority of the family in the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about your identity and your spiritual integrity and your accountability to that identity. I wanna say that one more time. It's about your identity or the person that you're confronting's identity. It's about your spiritual integrity because right now, if you're being confronted, you're divided between what you believe and how you live, integrity, right? And your accountability to that identity presently and ultimately, let's not forget, right? David is not some pagan king. David is a servant of the one true God, right? And so that's the third thing a, a, a brother does. A brother shares God's mind and God's heart in the authority of the Lord Jesus. And just as you think about this, um, that sort of takes the, the stigma of you know, the moral police and the spiritual police off, and it, and it moves that authority over to God's heart and, and God's mind. This is your authority. You're wearing, just like a, a traffic cop who wears the, the, the uniform and blows the whistle and can stop traffic like that. Right? That's authority, right? Because he's invested by the local city government with that uniform and in that uniform and with that whistle can just stick their hand up and say, all right, stop. And you gotta stop it. Or you gotta stop at the stoplight, right? In the same way, you and I are in the family of God. We have the authority of the word of God and we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's not about the messenger. It's about the authority and who's delivering the message? And it's God, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. All right, so a true brother will call out sin privately. A true brother will practice tough love. A true brother shares God's mind and heart. Fourth, a true brother joins in the restoration process. And I put a passage in to today's study. It's 2 Samuel 12, and it's a little bit further down in the conversation. But now that David's been called out, 
Now that Nathan has practiced tough love, now that Nathan has shared God's mind and God's heart, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, uh, Nathan now transitions, right? Because it's not enough to just, you know, confront. We got to help restore and get a guy into that restoration process with God and, 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 and into responsibility. Right, so in 2 Samuel 12, verses 13 and 14, it says, David said, to Nathan, uh, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So there is a... It's a kind of a subdued, solemn recognition, repentance. David repents and he says, I've sinned. And that's the turning point. And that's really the, the goal, right? Is, is to, to let the word of God, what the God of Israel says, what the word says, speak into that identity of a man who is a believer, has his identity in Christ. Let the word of Christ speak into that identity in Christ. And to get, you know, to, to help lead a man to repentance. David says, I've sinned against the Lord. But then listen to how, how Nathan sort of treats him. He's like, okay, now that you've acknowledged that, just know this, it's not fatal and it's not final, but there, there's, there's gonna be some consequences to this. And, and there was ongoing consequences that David had to live with uh, for the rest of his life. In the Bible, in Galatians chapter 6, it, it kind of speaks to this. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And so the scripture speaks to this process, not of confrontation, but once there is repentance uh, and there is a healthy turning of the tide, right? The turning of the tables, right? As we're talking about in this series, the momentum shifts and now the door is open for things to go in a different direction through repentance. We join in, we join in, we see that attitude, we join in. And we say, hey, you know what? We all fall short. Um, this isn't fatal. This is not final. Kind of just like Nathan uh, says to him, God's forgiven you. He has taken away your sin. But, you know, we got to now start taking some responsibility, both for what we did and um, we're going to accept the consequences of those actions. And so... We see in this interaction with Nathan and David just just a perfect, this is how we do it, guys, right? True brother calls out sin privately. A true brother practices tough love. A true brother shares God's mind and heart. And a true brother joins in the restoration process, right? So on your notes, there's just kind of four takeaways that I'm praying right now that would be a part of your brotherhood in the family of God. And I think this would please God. I think it reflects 
uh, the modeling of God and the messaging of, of Jesus even to his own guys. And so um, here, here's, here's, here's the, the four things. In an iron sharpens iron brotherhood where, where we're being sharpened and we're sharpening others, brothers make you better. That's the rule, all right? Versus what? Let you blend your self-directed ways with God's ways. And we're good at it, right? Because we want control. We want to make our own decisions. We want to be independent. We don't want to be held back, right? And that's what David did. David started the drift by deciding he could neglect God's word, which told him to be with his men. In the spring, kings were supposed to be fighting with their men. And he just decided, I, I'm, I'm in charge, and I'm not going to go. Um, so thank God for Nathan, brought him back on track. But the headline is, brothers make you better, versus what? Let you blend, right, your will above God's will, right? Secondly, confrontation is not criticism. But it really exposes the maturity of men and the guilt, the, the real guilt of men in their reaction. We take the confrontation as a criticism, like I'm, you're comparing me to yourself and I'm bad and, and then we post up and we get defensive and self-protective, right? And then that creates even more, that's an, the next bad decision that we do. And Confrontation isn't criticism, it's caring. This is the most loving thing that Nathan could do for David to get him back on track in his relationship with God. And you know the things, the blessings? There were consequences, but there were also blessings that came out of that. Psalm 34, Psalm 51. These are psalms that you and I both uh, turn to and read when we, when we blow it. You know, it's David's confession. And out of this, you know, came that. But confrontation wasn't criticism, it was... It was really caring and loving for David. Third, rebuke is not rejection. Um, David said before this, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness, right? It is oil on my head, right? So if you have the right character and if you're a man of God and you really love a, a brother of God, he's going to rebuke you, but just know that that's not rejection. It's, it's not a a stab to kill you, or to, you have to separate from that guy. No, the exact opposite is true. You should thank him if you have the maturity to do that in the moment, right? Um, it's a cut to heal, not a stab to kill. Rebuke is not rejection. Nathan rebuked David for his sin, as he should have, because it was evil what he did. We rebuke evil, and, 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 and rebuking evil isn't limited to non-Christians. It's actually for Christians who participate when they give themselves over to their flesh or to another voice that's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, lastly, repentance speeds recovery, speeds responsibility, and speeds restoration of relationship with, with God. Um, you know, when David said, I have sinned, against the Lord. Boy, that's the goal of healthy confrontation. You help a man through healthy biblical confrontation. Get to the place of repentance. Man, all things are possible now, right? There's no salvation without repentance. There's no 
There's no fruit without repentance. Let your fruits be in line with repentance. Now we now God can work when there's an acknowledgement that we have sinned, that we um, have violated God's plan for us. We've acted outside of our, our identity. We've hurt people, all right? And so if you're listening to me and there's something in your life um, that you need to repent from, can I just encourage you? Do what David did. Just admit it. And admit it to God. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to another brother. Because then and only then can you get the joy of your salvation restored. Then and only then is the power of the secret, secret broken. Then and only then can you hear truth. Because otherwise you're in self-deception and a lie. I want you to listen to what discipleship and mentoring expert Walt Hendrickson said. So good, I printed it on your notes, and it goes to what being a true brother is. He says this, Confrontation is one of the highest expressions of love. When, when done in love and compassion, confronting is one of the kindest things you can do for another man. A refusal to confront when needed is one of the most selfish things you can do. The parent who says, I love my child too much to discipline, says in reality, I love myself too much to discipline. Right? Translation, it's easier emotionally on me. Well, that first passage from Hebrews 12 that, that we read is a parent, God the Father, were his children, and he confronts patterns of character and conduct in us. Jesus and his disciples confronts char character patterns and conduct patterns that don't align with their claimed identity. All right? So those are the models that we have for us. And hey, maybe short term, it will be easier on you emotionally. But long term, the Bible says that if we're unwilling to confront when needed, it's selfish. And, and I believe the best. I believe that a lot of us struggle with like doing that because we look at ourselves and we look in the mirror like, who am I to do that? All right? But it's not about you. It's about our commitment to Jesus Christ, our commitment to becoming like him, our commitment to his kingdom and his word and his plan, our, our recognition that sin is what put Jesus on the cross. And so God will call us in our family. And isn't that the better way, all you dads out there, is if a family, within a family, they can self-correct, right? That members of the family can kind of, before someone goes off the rails and goes out, we can kind of bring it in and we can handle it in the family uh, in a safe, private sort of way. But the bottom line is, is we really need to see each other as, uh, as agents for this on occasion. Now, the hope is that this kind of experience is, is, is rare or infrequent. Um, but really, our mindset needs to change. And, and that's why I'm, I'm closing out with a verse from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, because it, it talks about um, how we're connected and how we really need to stay connected in this and, and the mentality that needs to be there. Listen to what the Bible says. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, listen to this, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Listen to this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You know, having ministered to men for over three decades, you know, I see where guys are so willing to recreate together and borrow tools and, and, and share life in so many different, you know, dimensions, except the most important one which is their, their spiritual one and their battle against sin because somehow their fear or pride has taken over their heart and they won't disclose it. But then once it gets noticed, um, when another brother comes in, you know, a lot of men will act like, hey, you know what? This is private. I don't need you. It's not private. By the way, God's already examining you. God already sees it and God's already going to judge that. This is a kindness that a brother would step in and just say, hey, I'm just like you. I could fall any day like you. But hey, I'm seeing something. And this is what I see. Call it out privately, right? Practice tough love. Share God's heart and mind. And then the goal is for the man of God to see it, recognize it, and repent of it. And then you can join in the restoration process, but we got to change our mindset. We need our brothers. You might be in a group right now. You need that guy to your right or left, or maybe somebody's coming to mind, you know, that you really need them to be in your life. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And sometimes the blade gets warm under the sharpening stone. Sometimes there's sparks. That's healthy, right? Because the blade comes out sharp and ready to perform. And so there are a couple of guys, a couple types of people, a couple types of guys that are listening to my voice right now. One, you're, you're a person that actually this message has confronted you. And in the name of Jesus and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm just calling you out. Some of you are guzzling porn and God's like, that's not for you, not in your identity. Some of you are projecting your anger about your job and frustrations outside of the family into your family. And God's saying, stop that. They're not the problem. Your family's not the problem. Your wife's not the problem. It's, it's the self-loathing that you feel that you feel like you're failing. Stop that and repent. Right? Some of you are just disobeying the Lord. You, you're, you're picking and choosing which things you want to do and, and, and don't do. And God's saying, stop that. Not in, not in our family. And Jesus is saying to many of you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, I'm on the receiving end of that as well. I'm one of you. Today, I'm just the Nathan. Some of you listening to me need to confront someone. You're, you know somebody in your life and you're watching certain behaviors and you're like, I gotta step into that. I don't know if I should step into that. And you're battling inside. Well, God's word in this study, this session today, you have full authority. And remember, it's not judging. It's a kindness from God. 
And so men, we want the healthiest movement of men. We want this, what we call dangerous good fellowship of men taking care of business in the family. We want the spiritual momentum in your life to head in the right direction, okay? And we're gonna love you enough to not leave you where you are and step in and help turn the tables on your relationship with God and your battle against evil. So just together as a community, let's pray for one another right now. Father, I just thank you that, um, that when you have real brothers, when friendships are authentic and strong, there's conflict, but there's also love. And when we confront out of love, that's you. It's just, it's just Jesus with skin on and he looks like a friend. And that friend has been strategically placed in our lives to, to speak truth in love so that we can grow into maturity and grow into the head that is Christ and become more like you, Jesus. So for those men who, who feel like this message, just this was their moment, this was their Nathan moment, God, I, I pray that like David, they could just say before you and before maybe another brother, man, I've sinned before the Lord so that the door of blessing and the door of restoration and the door of a new season can begin and things can begin to be repaired and accepted and taken responsibility for and that the soul of those men would feel the integrity of that obedience versus the regret of not repenting. And then Lord, I pray for all of my brothers who are connected to other brothers in Christ that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and courage and the spirit of, of Jesus, so that when they see something, they can in love and in kindness say yes to turning the tables in another brother's life through seeing something wrong, recognizing something wrong, confronting something that is wrong, and taking action. So bless them too. Be with them. Go ahead of them, especially those that are going to do that today because you've asked them to do it to save another brother from sin and Satan and self. And I ask all this, just declaring power and blessing and filling and peace for all the men who obey. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We'll see you next week.